Hello, everyone, and welcome to Living in the Limelight. I'm your host, Jay Huller. As a quick reminder, please follow us on Instagram at Living in the Limelight Show and check out our website at livinginthelimelight.com, where each week we feature another conversation with a stage performer where we delve into what makes them tick as artists and we get a peek at what it's like behind the scenes. In today's episode, we are visiting with Kat Carter. Kat is a local folk soul artist based out of North Georgia. As a recent graduate of the Berklee College of Music, she uses her knowledge and expertise of live performance paired with her songwriting skills to create a unique experience at each of her shows that she plays across the southern United States. Kat is unlike any other, and she dabbles in many different realms of music, such as live and studio production, writing music for herself, even writing music for other artists, playing multiple instruments, and teaching music on the side of her live performances at Melomania Music and Arts in Cumming, Georgia. Let's welcome Kat. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Absolutely. I hope you're staying dry over there. You're up in uh, Cumming area, right? I'm actually over in like Alpharetta. Alpharetta. Okay. Well, similar area. You got getting some rain tonight? Yeah, for sure. It's been yucky here the past few days. But. I know. It puts, it puts a damper on um, outdoor gigs, which I guess is, we'll just jump right into it. Um, yeah. Your gigging schedule, is it something that, because um, I've always wondered this um, from independent artists, is it something that you can kind of control in the sense that you push out all of these, um, not invites, but uh, contacts to, to local places and say I'm available? Are people constantly coming to you? Is it... Is it a manageable situation? Can you control the ebb and flow or are you finding it's just a, you know, I'll, I'll, I think I'd like to try that one and you can sort of pick and choose. How does it go for you? Well, it's kind of a mix of everything. Um, when I started playing gigs out in like just restaurants, I mean, I, was, I started playing gigs when I was like 12. So, and now I'm 23. So when I started, it was a, it was a matter of, making contact and really reaching out to people myself, like whether I was calling people or going into venues and asking or emailing, like no matter what, that's how it started. Mm -hmm. And some of those connections I've had, I mean, some of my gigs I've had for years and I, I've just, they've gone to their friends that own different venues and they've said, Hey, book this person. So some of it's word of mouth. Some of it is I reach out to them. Some of it is like, I get random venues reach out to me like breweries and stuff and be like hey can you come do some music like what you know what's the could you come do that how do we go about that and Mm -hmm. you know so it's it's a mix of a lot of different ways um but yeah would which way would you rather have it would you rather be like you know what i think i'd like to play this one and this one or having people sort of i don't know uh, just come at you with can you go here can you go here i mean i can see how that would be super flattering but do, do you, does that require like, oh, well, I wonder, because that place is really far away. Do you have to sort of evaluate them like they evaluated you to ask you? Yeah, what I prefer usually is me doing the research on the venue and then asking mm-hmm. to book with them. Um, sometimes that can be difficult if you don't have an, an in with the venue. Like say it's a bigger venue, like the Masquerade or something like mm-hmm. 
Um, it, it can be harder to get in just because I get so many requests because it's such a desirable venue. Um, you know, so it's easier when you have someone that knows the venue and, and knows you and knows the people that work there and can kind of set you guys up together so that you can talk and book a date. But, you know, so I think for me, is I prefer to know, have some knowledge on the venue. Like maybe I've gone to a show there to support a friend that's doing music there. Or, um, and I, I kind of prefer to reach out to them. Uh, or if I have like a booking agent that I've worked with before that reaches out to me, I, I love when that happens because they usually are looking out for me and uh, they wouldn't book me somewhere bad. You know, I've, I've had great experiences with different booking agents that have helped me out. So, um, but yeah. Yeah, it does seem like there's quite a range, and uh, and and that's super helpful because um, I'm hoping among the people that are listening to this and that will listen to it in the future. You know, you spoke of being into this uh, business starting at age 12, and now you're 23, and that's that's a long time. So we have young kids that are listening, and they're they have to sort of map out their way, and uh, it it's knowledge. It's great to know like where you're going, and to, not just to say, hey, yes, I'll go because. Uh, although networking is important, you, you might end up, and I remember when I was probably 16, um, I was in a band too, you might not know this, but I was a drummer, and we ended up in downtown Dallas um, in just the, one of the worst areas. It was an okay place itself, but getting to it was, you know, not the greatest. And so you're, as an artist, I guess you're going to face that. Have you been to places that you really are like, um, I'm not sure I'm going to walk away with this with my life, but I'm going to push through and, and, and do it anyway and had that uncomfortable feeling, but kind of triumphed in the end. Oh yeah. I've had, <laughs> <laughs> like I said, I've been doing this 11 years now. Like, Oh my gosh. Um, I've had some venues where I, I'm a little bit scared to walk in and <laughs> I, I walk out and I'm like, thank God, you know, that I didn't, you nothing happened. You know, you, I started really young playing in like bars and stuff mm -hmm. and you end up in some rough areas, mean some rougher people and they might mean well, but you know, it can be a little scary environment. And so, you know, I did learn through that though. I don't regret going to those gigs. I do regret that I was so young, maybe mm -hmm. like 16 and, and 17, like playing different bars and stuff. Like maybe that was too young, but I don't regret playing those gigs because you have to learn when to know when to bring um, a, a kind of someone with you to help look out for you. Like sometimes some gigs that you should go do them, but maybe bring someone with you that can help you out. Like bring someone that can kind of bodyguard you a little bit. Right. Maybe it's like a friend or it's someone that you, you pay some money, like you know them through music and you're like, Hey, I'll pay somebody. If you'll just like be my roadie for tonight. Help me get my equipment and make sure I don't get like stolen from or something, you know, like watch my back for me. Um, it also teaches you to watch your own back while you're playing and being able to play with distractions and getting used to that is really healthy as an artist. So I don't regret playing those gigs, but they can be a little intimidating. So, but it happens. Yeah. <laughs> I can sort of see that. I was looking over some of your Facebook posts, um, in preparation for this phone call. And, um, I was watching, um, you, a cover you did, um, of a police song, uh, every breath you take, I think it was. And, uh, mm -hmm. you know, it was an outdoor uh, gig and I, me as a, as a music fan, and uh, hopefully the people listening to this and all artists, I, you know, I understand if you're in a, like a, a patio situation, you've got people having their meal or whatever, but, uh, 
Uh, in this particular clip, you know, like there was this dog barking and stuff. And I could just, I saw the professionality in you at that moment because you were right there in your, in, in the song and, and you kept going and it wasn't even, it didn't even phase you. And I can't, can't tell at that time how old you were. I think that was 2017 or 16. But like you said, that's a learning experience, right? So every one of those things will teach you, okay, well, I can do this and maybe I need to change this. So is, mm-hmm. is that kind of how it is? It's an evolution. And now you've had so many experiences to draw on that you, that a lot of things don't surprise you. Yeah. It's, you know, I try to like, I think part of it is like some of the songs that I play, I've been playing for so long. Like one song I have, I cover is free Fallen by Tom Petty and the heartbreakers. Uh-huh. That's a special song to me. I had a mentor that taught me that on guitar. That was the first time. Um, I had played a full song on guitar and I said like every gig that I play from now on, which I was like, I think 13 or 14 when I learned guitar, but I was like, every gig I play from now on, I'm going to play this as part of my set in honor of him because he unfortunately did pass away um, shortly after, uh, maybe a year after he started working with me on guitar. So, um, but in honor of him, I decided that, Um, but you know, because so many songs have been playing, I've been playing for so long you kind of do go on autopilot and you are you know if you're a good artist you're trying to pay attention making sure you're hitting the right notes and using breath control and blah 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 like Uh all that playing the right chords you know like you do practice but once you've had these songs under your belt for so long like for so long then you kind of are just able to pull them out whenever and just play them on autopilot and um while still being self-aware of the quality of your singing and your playing or like your performance right um so when you do have distractions happen it's just not it doesn't interfere with the music you're just able to keep going like you know i've been heckled at gigs like that is always going to happen you know you play at breweries and stuff like that they're drinking Mm -hmm. you know people get a little loose and silly and they'll start to kind of wander onto the stage and you know try to make jokes with you and sing in the mic and you you just gotta handle it the best way you can and sometimes you just persevere you keep going and someone will come and get them like you know (laughs) so (laughs) you learn to just keep going and just play it off and you know, it used to be stuff would happen at gigs and I would get so frazzled and just so upset and offended because I'd be like, really? Like, you know, blah, blah, blah. But it gets to the point where you're kind of just like, you know what? Like, I'm just going to keep enjoying myself and focus on the music. I'm here because I want to be. And like, it's not for the money. It's here. I'm here because I love singing. I love playing music. So I'm, I'm not going to let this, you know, ruin my night. You know, I'm just going to persevere and keep playing my songs and um, because I've learned to do that, I'll have sometimes where I do get heckled or something might happen. Like my PA system is being finicky or uh-huh. my guitar keeps going out of tune because the weather's bad or whatever it might be. People will come up to me and say like, Cal, like you really persevered. You know, like you, you sounded so good and like they're super nice about it and they recognize that you persevere and it shows that you're professional, you know? So mm-hmm. um, it's just it's, it's situations like that that are distracting you just get used to it, you know? So, and it happens across the gamut. I mean, we've all seen videos. I, I just saw one of Harry Styles the other day and, and people throw stuff up on the stage and it's all supposedly in good fun. Oh, Hey, take my flower or whatnot. But uh, you have to sort of take it in stride and continue with the craft, which sort of, I had a question in my mind pop up while you were saying that. So you've got this, I don't know the, the best term for it, maybe muscle memory, but you've played this song so many times, you know, the chords, you know, the pitch, you know, all of this. And, 
do you ever get to a point where it's so automated that you feel like you're maybe distanced from it? Or is that because you're a musician, like you said, who wants to be up there and, and the distractions don't matter, you're so integrally connected to the music that it it's going to be your best and it's going to be it's going to be all of you every time and you and you are part of it even though there's some automated parts to it i i think that's a great question like part of it is like if you ask you know any big like um like ed sheeran if you ask him if he if he ever got tired of singing a team Mm -hmm. you know a team was like his big song and he went on tour with it and he really just ran with that song i mean he sang it probably every day for a few years um but in my opinion, if I had a situation like that and, you know, with my covers that I do all the time and like with like, for instance, gold, um, it, that's one of my singles that really blew up for me on Spotify over in Germany. Um, oh, wow. you know, I, that song, I, because it got so big, I got a lot of draw, um, for a lot of gigs and I got like, I got to go play on TV a few times. And mm-hmm. so I had to sing that song like, pretty much every day I was always practicing it I was always on a stage singing it like it was all the time always talking about gold I mean repeating a lot of the same things about it you know but I never got tired of it because I think when you're a small artist especially and you all of a sudden get a big thing like that where a lot of people are all of a sudden interested it's like I've worked for this for so long you know I'm okay with for a little while you know singing this all the time and singing it over and over and over and you find ways to make it interesting like some covers like free fall and like i'll change the key of it sometimes you know it's just it, mm-hmm. guitar is easy it's just a sense of moving the capo you know yeah. so i'll just change the key of it i'll whatever my voice feels like doing that day you know some days you have a little less range sometimes you have more it's just it's independent on a lot of different factors but you can change the play style of it. You know, you can play it more upbeat. You can chill it out, you know, depending on the song. So you can make it fun. And um, it's also good for content. Like if you're recording, say I'm recording free well, I might have like five different versions of it recorded that I post on stuff because they all sound different because I, I want to have fun with it. And, you know, so okay, yes. uh, I think there's ways to get around like the, um, the drag of it if i guess there's no better word mm-hmm. um but yeah so it, you know you can get tired of stuff sometimes like being muscle memory but i i always kind of circle back around i'm like well i'm grateful i get to be up here like singing this or you know what i mean yeah and it's funny because the, the podcasts i've done in previous um, weeks a lot of the artists have mentioned gratitude like that mm-hmm. that seems to be something that carries through of like you know what I was given this gift and I want to share it. I'm thankful. And it, I find um, for those particular people and then those who I haven't met, I'm sure I'll find it too, is just uh, it, it'll carry you because it helps you overlook anything negative in the sense because you know you have been put in a place for a purpose. And uh, so mm-hmm. you you definitely feel grateful. You feel grateful for the small gigs and, and the large ones um, yeah. alike. Um, which sort of transitions us. I don't want to forget to talk about your origins because I want to go back to that. Um, but I think uh, I want to move to Berkeley real quick because speaking of grateful, um, such a, a wonderful place to learn. Did How did that, when you think of yourself as a freshman and you think of yourself as, as a graduated um, student from there, what evolved in you and how did you change and just maybe some general background on, on Berkeley itself so that people can 
be aware. I know um, it's a widely recognized name um, for a music school, but just you're an insider for it, and we'd love to hear your experience in a nutshell. Yeah, um, I walked into, you know, well, I say walked in. So let me give you a little background. I applied for Berkeley online. Originally, I did think maybe I want to go to Boston and study, but it, it came to either I go off to school and move my whole life to somewhere I've never really been and start over kind of uh, far away. Because mm-hmm. I've never, I've always lived in the South. I was born and raised in Columbus, Georgia. And then we moved up to Cumming. And so I've always been around kind of this North Georgia area mm-hmm. uh, since Columbus. So I've never really left. And that's very far north, so it's a lot different, you know. It is. Um, I love Boston. Um, I just, you know, it's a lot different. So I was like, do I want to, while I'm already having a huge transition into college, do I want to add more on top of that by completely uprooting and moving and and trying to figure out life while I'm by myself up there because I don't have any family or anything up there. So mm-hmm. um, I decided because of, my followers being in Atlanta and like all of my gigs being here and this being like my source of income, especially at the time when I started college, like my main source of income, I was like, you know what? I'm just going to stay here and study and like travel there every so often. So that's what I did. And I loved it. Um, I had a lot of control because it was online of when I got to study. Um, I had some great professors that really um, worked with me and my schedule, my crazy, crazy schedule. I had a nutty schedule like all of college like it was just all over the place so they were very lenient and and helpful and were were willing to work with me and that's kind of part of the package that comes with being an online student um is you really can work any hour um you do have deadlines but Mm -hmm. you can you do the work when you're when you can do it um but I walked I I started college with the mindset of because I I started going there because I I really I've always admired John Mayer um, you know, I've bought in his footsteps with a few things like, you know, going to sing at Eddie's attic. Like he would always, he, he was a door holder there. Like he worked there a while and he would perform in the shootouts and stuff. And, and one, one, um, his plaque is still on the wall there. If you go to that venue, uh-huh. I think that was the coolest thing ever. Yeah. Yeah. That is the coolest um, thing. Lots of big names have been there and I was so glad I got to be in the shootout a few times. Um, you know, there's just a lot of stuff. I grew up listening to him. I've always admired his work and his writing and his play style. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I was like, you know, I want to study with the people he studied with. So, you know, I would go to the Berkeley seminars like once a year during the, um, I, I believe they would do them during the summertime almost. Um, it was like beginning of summer or something. They would do these seminars for a weekend. You could go and meet other students that went to the school and, so I would go to those like once a year and I loved it. And I would talk to his professors he worked with and, um, you know, but once I ended college, I realized that I kind of started to stray from the idea of following in an artist's footsteps and rather creating my own and mm-hmm. really forming my own sense of artistry. And I do think that maybe it took me a little longer to figure out my artistic direction and my style and my genre and really hone in on that. But I think that that's not a bad thing. I, I think it just depends on the artist and what they're, they're doing in their creativity at the moment. Um, but I walked out of school being a lot more sure of myself 
uh, in my creativity and my, in my artistic direction. Um, so I, I'm really, I, I love my experience. I'm really glad I went. And yeah, it was super hard, but um, it was worth every second, I think. So, yeah. That's really cool. I hadn't realized, and of course it makes sense. Do you know if they had the um, that online component prior to the pandemic, or is that something that sort of... Um... They did, yeah. Okay. I graduated high school actually online. Um, I did three years of online high school, one year in person, and it was fun for me because of my music schedule. Um, so I started doing online high school and I graduated in 2017. So I, I applied for Berkeley in 2017, um, online. Okay. So they've had it for a while. I'm not sure when they started it, but I do think it, it's been there a minute. Yeah. No, that's super accommodating. So I I can imagine for assignments, um, you would obviously record yourself, um, doing a certain Mm -hmm. piece or whatever, and then be evaluated and get some feedback. Yeah. You, I mean, there's, courses that you, there are certain courses you have to take first because they're not um a traditional like you don't have like language arts science math like right. there are kind of classes that support like they they teach you what you need to know and the, like there's a math class for musicians it's it's literally called mathematics for musicians <laughs> and there's wow. everything that you would need to know in college for basic math just so that you have it in case you want to do something else you know sure. like they cover all their bases with your degree the advisors are incredible. Like they make sure that you have everything you, you need in your education. Um, but uh, they have a certain classes you have to take first that make sure that when you have the classes, you need to record stuff. You have your setup already done and you know how to work it. Gotcha. And there's, that's why they do certain classes like in order and all that. So it, it, like they have a class. I, I do not remember the name. We're on a, Berkeley's on a quarterly system, mm-hmm. so you change classes every 12 weeks instead of doing, like, semesters. like there's four semesters instead of two. So you have a lot more classes, but I think it's really cool because you get to learn um, there more things. You have a broader range of things you learn um, just because of the 12-week the um, time frame. But yeah. they have, uh, I cannot remember what the class is called, but it's a production class. It's one of the first production classes you take. And it teaches you how, as a songwriter, which might agree with songwriting, it teaches you, as a songwriter, how to record demos and send them to a producer. And they teach you how to set it up in your house and put speakers up and plug everything in and how the software works. And here's what software you should choose based on what you like. And so they really walk you through everything, and it's great. Uh, I love it. Well, that is fascinating because I can, what I envision as an outsider was just like, and this is the theory of music and this is how the evolution of the guitar started, you know, and like just more of a broad base, but you actually, you got real nitty gritty with, okay, this is what you need to do and very on an Mm -hmm. application level. Um, So that's, Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, let's move into gear. What, what, what specifically, did they tell you you have to go buy this microphone and you have to go get this? Did they give you like, like you'd have a book, you know, a list of books for a course? Did they give requirements or did they say these are the kind of parameters and you can go shopping and, and build your mm-hmm. stuff this way? There's totally course requirements. Like, you know, on campus has a bookstore. Like, um, you know, they have a whole section just for textbooks. Like, I still have all my textbooks. I keep them because I think if I went to like, another college I probably just would have rented them and sent them back but mm-hmm. because it was a music school and I know I like to read the textbooks like they're a little bit different they're not your traditional textbooks 
you know, I might have students one day that want to, might want to borrow like songwriting students because I teach um, songwriting and stuff. So I'm, I'm like, maybe they'll want to borrow my book and read it. They're great books. So, um, but yeah, there's course requirements and, and really what that entails is they'll tell you, like, say you're taking a production class. They'll be like, you'll need these kinds of speakers. Here's some recommendations, but you don't have to get this model. You can get whatever model you want as long as it does these things. Okay. And they'll give you a list. And then, like, microphones, they'll be like, here's some that we recommend, but it has to be, for instance, a condenser microphone. Like, you you can get whatever condenser mic you want, but it needs to have these things. Um, so they give you some parameters, but they let you have some freedom with what you choose. And then you can always message your professor and be like, I have this kind of voice. What kind of microphone do you think I should get based on that? Like, here's what frequencies my voice fits at. Like, can you help me out? And they'll they'll help you out with anything. So. Wow, that is so cool. Yeah, I, I just, I love the way that um, in many cases, not in all cases, but in many cases, school is evolving, especially at the um, university level, to, to make it exactly what people need to go and do the life right afterwards and not just be too generic. Um, I just think mm-hmm. that's amazing. Let's backtrack all the way to the beginning because I, I believe the, the gentleman that you mentioned that's no longer with us, he's the one that's on your website um, mm-hmm. also talk to us just, I love to hear the like the spark story The I was karaoke with my hairbrush kind of stuff. And it just was in me mm-hmm. from my DNA. Uh, mm-hmm. How did he kind of bring that out of you and where do you think it started? Is it from, is it a family thing? Um, or, you know, where did music begin for you and, and talk about time with, you know, kind of the beginnings there with him and, and how that went? So I started out when I was around 12, I think it was, I might've been like late 11. I can't remember. It's 11, 12. I started a camp. Um, it was for, they taught you everything. I, I loved it. It was, they would teach you stage presence and singing. And if you wanted to learn instruments or if you want to learn how to work a camera or if you, you know, any film stuff, um, if you wanted to be a stage hand, like anything, like you could learn anything at this camp. It was the coolest thing ever. And it was called Q52, and it was held in Cumming, Georgia. Oh. And because we lived there, it was, it was you know, right by where I was growing up at the time, where I went to school and everything. And I had some friends that went there, so we would all go together. And um, I still have some of those friends today, and we still talk about it. We, we just love that whole part of our kind of uh, preteen years. But um, there was a mentor. There was a few mentors there that really changed my, my artistry for, you know, I mean, of course, the better, but they really set me up in a way that I'm, I just feel so blessed to have. Um, but one uh, one mentor I had, his name was Kevin, and he really, um, he kind of told my parents, like, you know, Kat, or at the time I'll go by my, my, my legal name, Sarah, my birth name. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> he was like, Kat came a little later. Them. <laughs> which I'd love to talk about say, <laughs> after you finish yeah. this. <laughs> he would be like, you know, Sarah, like she really has an ear for music. She seems to really enjoy it. She seems to just love it and just be so drawn to it. Like, you know, um, and he kind of told him, you know, maybe she should learn an instrument. Maybe she should dive more into stage perform. Maybe she should go play gigs. Maybe <laughs> she should make a career out of this. Like she just really seems to be on fire for, for music and, um, so my parents were 
we're like, oh, like, well, she sings all the time. Like, <laughs> you know, she's, she's always talking about music and, and running around and singing and all that. So um, he kind of really is the one that really pulled me in as long as, as, as well as a few of the other mentors at the camp. And um, he's the one who taught me free falling. Um, and that's why I sing it still and play it at, mm-hmm. at every gig because he, um, you know, unfortunately, it was a year or two after I believe he taught me guitar. He suffered from a brain aneurysm um, out of nowhere. Really? And um, so we, you know, I attended his celebration of life and I'll never forget. And um, it was so cool hearing all the stories about his life and hearing about his artistry that he had developed and um you know that just you know sitting there and hearing all the stories it just it it just reminded me how blessed I am to have that mentor for the time that I did have him um and I'm so grateful I got to experience his teaching and his knowledge and you know the way that he taught me is how I teach my kids now that I teach. Um, oh, I teach at a so place neat. in coming called, yeah, I teach at a place in coming called Melomania. I love it. I haven't been there super long, but I, I love it. Um, I work with kids on guitar, singing, songwriting, um, stage presence, um, a lot, lots of piano as well. Um, but the way I teach them is inspired by the way that Kevin always taught me and his patience and his kindness. Um, you know, I, I will never forget his teaching style and um that's how i i strive to be today so um that's that's kind of how i started music and how and i never stopped once once i was on it i was on it so yeah that's amazing yeah i i find it's it that's a very common story um although told differently from from everyone is that you have something they for sports or for music or whatnot and there's an adult a significant adult in your life that just validates it. Of course, your parents are right there in, in your corner saying, she sings all the time. We love it. But then for someone who kind of does that, like a coach for mm-hmm. a, for a player that says, I see something here. Uh, mm-hmm. it's, it's empowering. It's invigorating. Is that how you felt when, when you were like witnessing this conversation, you're like, Oh, really? Were you like shocked or were you kind of thinking, Hey, this could be true. I do. I feel like I do have something Were you, kind of aware enough at age 12 to, to know that you had potential? Well, so yeah, I, uh, I think I'm going to think of how to word it. I, I just, I think I genuinely just loved the music and Mm -hmm. didn't, I never tried to analyze how good or bad I ever was at it at first. I just like, you know, if I heard Dolly Parton, you know, playing on the radio or something or whatever, I, John Mayer or whatever, I'd just start singing with it because I wanted to, you know, it was fun for me in the car. Like I was always singing in the car with my family. Like I, so I was always humming and singing and, you know, whatever. So I, I don't, you know, when they had, when my parents had the conversation with Kevin, I don't think I was actually there for that conversation. This was just repeated information from my parents that okay. they told me because they told me stories about when they would talk to Kevin and, you know, whatnot. Um, so eventually a, a lot later, years later, they told me, oh, this is what, you know, they it came up in conversation. So I wasn't there for that talk, but, you know, yeah, I never thought, oh, I like I could do this someday. I could, I never thought that but you know once that idea was embedded in me and Kevin was like you know you Sarah like if you want to go play gigs or if you want to 
you know, whatever you want to do, like you can do that. Like I didn't realize, you know, I was, you know, anything special that I could go make a whole career out of it at 12. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So when you're so young, it's hard to think big like that. But, you know, once I got to like 15, 16, I got really serious about it. And I was like wanting to learn how to produce music on my own and wanting to learn how to set up at a gig myself. And, you know, um, because I opened till then, I was only playing at gigs that had a PA system that they could set up for me because I didn't know how to do any of that. But once I hit like 15, 16, I was like, I want to learn how to do everything. Like, I want to just jump right in. Um, so it took a minute to realize I want to make a career out of this and I can make a career out of this. You know, up until that point, I was just doing it because it was fun. Like, gold I wrote when I was like 12, 13. And I wrote it just because I wanted to. You know, I felt like, led to just start writing music and I felt like that was where my heart was um you know it was never a thing of oh like you know what I mean Mm -hmm. I know I get you it makes total sense and so now speaking of songwriting you've got a degree in songwriting and you teach songwriting and you write write songs um what this is a again an outsider's perspective but um I was a double major in in English and Spanish so I feel like I can communicate um in in language I'm a language person um, so for me, songwriting seems to be like, you know, you're going to sit down with an idea and you're going to just kind of see what comes out and you're going to write with maybe not a focus on the rhyme or on getting the, the meter exactly correct, but just the kind of the broad thoughts. What is your approach to writing a song? Does it write itself? Is it like extemporaneous? Is it just off the cuff and then you clean it up? Uh, how long does it generally take? What's a, what's a typical songwriting process for you well gold i wrote you know i was a lot younger but and so my writing style has changed a lot but when i first started writing i would just sit down with a melody um on guitar gold was it started with a guitar melody and then i added words to it um but now that i'm older and i've been writing you know i write all the time and i've written a lot of songs uh, i start with usually this is my process it can vary but I usually start with object writing which is I'll just sit down with a timer for like five minutes I tell all my students this I think it's a great method um I'll sit down with a timer for five minutes and get no distractions make sure everything's off like nothing like phones on do not disturb like Mm -hmm. I'll sit with a notepad and just write random whatever comes to mind does not have to make sense doesn't you know just whatever words come pop into my head and after that five minutes is up, I'll go in and highlight everything that is uh, the richest content throughout the page. Okay. And I'll try to form a song out of it. Sometimes, and then I'll put it with a, like a melody I've already had in mind or something. But sometimes it starts with the melody and then I add the words. So it can vary. Um but yeah, there's a, there's a few different ways I write. It also depends on what medium I'm working through. I might be writing on piano, so that's me a little different. Guitar's a little different. If I'm playing my bass, that might be different. Um, if I'm producing music on a computer and I start developing a melody and then I write, that's going to be different, you know. Um, so it depends on what I'm using to write as well as my studying and what I've been through that day or what led up to me writing. And so it, it depends. <laughs> yeah, and I know a lot of people, um, especially in indie music and independent musicians, they they typically, at least for content, draw from life experiences, from breakups or 
um, getting together mm-hmm. or whatnot. Do you find your writing lends itself to your experiences in life or is it more um, of an external observation kind of thing of others? I'd say it's a good solid mix. I've met artists that can only write from experience and I've met artists that can only write scenarios that have nothing to do with them. <laughs> so it's, I kind of sit somewhere in the middle. I can write either or. I think part of that is because I've developed um, a practice of writing with other artists, especially since I'm done with school and I have more time. Um, I love to collaborate with different songwriters. And if an artist needs a song but doesn't know how to write, I love to sit and teach them or write for them. Um, and I think exposing yourself to those scenarios, like uh, say you have a, a pop artist, which I'm not technically pop. I'm a more folk soul type. Mm-hmm. But uh, for my own writing endeavors, but say I'm working with a pop artist that wants a song about their breakup that they went through and they want it in this key and blah, blah, blah. You have to get used to taking notes and writing tailored to what the artist wants. And I think that makes you as a writer better at writing. It, it really broadens your range of what you're able to write. Um, so I, I kind of uh, do a little mix of my own experiences and stuff I observe or things that are inspired by other events. I like that a lot. And I know that you collaborate a lot. I, I saw some posts from you. Uh, it was probably six months ago. Um, and you went to a festival. Um, I want to say Vermont or somewhere really far from here. And, uh, and maybe I, geographically I've got it wrong, but you, the posts that were coming out from there, you were just like, I'd call in hog heaven. You were like, I can't believe this is, I got to work with, these people and we we performed together it was like three or four days that you were there and um yeah that collaborative um effort is something that i'd love for you to speak to like for a young artist coming up um to me it seems like sort of an an insular thing you know you write your music and you play your music and you put it on um uh, on the internet for people to listen to and you hope they like it and whatever and then you kind of move but really the networking and the connecting it's important, right? Yeah, um, for sure. One thing I learned coming up as a songwriter, and like I'm still coming up, you know, I'm still learning a lot. I'm still growing. Um, I don't think I'll ever stop learning and growing. But when I first started my songwriting journey, um, I had to learn a big lesson that, you know, a lot of us songwriters can be a little introverted and I wouldn't say I'm introverted. I would say I'm omniverted, which is kind of in the middle between extroverted and introverted. So I had to learn how to switch on the talkative side of me that is not always there. Sometimes (laughs) I get tired. I'm not as talkative, but I had to learn that at gigs. And if I see an opportunity to talk to someone about music, I should just go for it and try to make connections wherever I am because half of, you know, the music industry is just, solely hustle especially the independent music industry you have to talk you have to shake hands you gotta show your face you gotta show up places meet people put yourself in situations and ultimately that will lead to um how experienced and how educated you are in your craft and how able how much you are able to hone in on what you really want to do and get good at it Mm -hmm. um so yeah, I hope that answered that right. But <laughs> uh, no, and there are no no right or wrong answers on this. It's just getting mm-hmm. a, an opportunity for all to get to know you. And I think I know you're you eloquently put um, put that answer together. Um, so talking about the current you versus let's say the fifteen year old you, 
Uh, you've you've explained that you've learned a lot of um, lessons through the years of where to perform and how to perform and where to set up. Is there anything that you would tell yourself going back to the younger um, Sarah, I'll say, um, to that mm-hmm. time and say, you know what, here are some things. Let's make sure that you do these because you, you knew pretty early on that, that music was going to be a huge part of your life. So now that you've gone through some ups and downs, is there any, anything in particular you might just educate yourself on if you could go back in time and say, well, make sure you do this a little bit more so that we, you know, we, <laughs> the Sarah and Kat together would be here or even further along. Can you think of anything? I can definitely think of one thing. Um, my biggest struggle coming up in my artistry, and I, I had different coaches that worked with me on this a lot, um, was always my confidence on stage. And I think mm-hmm. that's because, like, I think a lot of creative type of people have struggled with that because creative people are so self-aware sometimes. And we're really hard on ourselves um, if we're not exactly what's in our head, you know. Mm-hmm. So I think when I was a lot younger, um, one thing that I'd say to myself is have, you know, stay humble and know your place, but have some confidence and, you know, don't be prideful, but have some confidence in knowing that, you know, you do know what you're doing and, you know, you still have a lot to learn, but, you know, have some confidence in yourself when you're on stage up there performing. Like you're, you're there entertaining people and they want to watch you and they want to listen to you and just have some confidence in knowing that, um, knowing that they want to hear your craft and what you've been working on, your songs you've written, whatever covers you're working on. They want to be there and listen to that. So have some confidence. <laughs> I, I, I've worked a lot on that now that I'm 23. I think just that age group too. Um, sometimes kids can struggle a little bit with confidence, especially when they're put on the spotlight and they're on this big stage and they're you know, asked to sing all these different songs and all eyes are on them and they want it to be perfect. Um, but just another thing I'd probably say is, is don't be afraid to mess up ever. Messing up makes you better. So, um, you know, accidents are are not always bad. (laughs) Yeah. That one's huge. I hear that one quite a lot. Um, Mm -hmm. and those are two great pieces of advice to anyone who is that age and it is a tender age. Um, Mm -hmm. you know, through the evaluations of, for Georgia has talent and through Instagram and whatnot, I see kids that are um, as young as you were at that time, 12 or 13, who, who definitely have this gift and it, it is such a formidable age and you're, you're still a kid, but you have some abilities that need to be, you know, should be shared. And so um, I think that's great advice. So Mm -hmm. what about future you? Um, What would, what would be um, one like, realistically looking at what's going on, like what are some steps that are going to move you forward in your dream um, to do this for your life? And then two, like what would be the ideal if something were to land in your lap, uh, a record contract or to play a stadium tour, you know, something like that. Is there something that you'd see as, as different and new or you are, hundred percent content with the current course and you're, you've got a nice mix of your teaching and you're inspiring the young uh, artists of the world. What, uh, what do you foresee as a future? You've got the crystal ball right now in front of you. I've passed it to you. (laughs) (laughs) I would say I have two big dreams now, right now, where I'm at right now, post-college, I feel like I am doing more than I realized I could do right after college because I just graduated in September. I would agree. 
<laughs> and I, I didn't realize like right off the bat, I'd have so many opportunities to get out there and do what I've learned now learned to do through college and through um, playing gigs through college and learning more of my craft. Um, I didn't realize that it's tough. I'd have so many opportunities right off the bat, you know, so I'm, mm-hmm. I'm really, really happy with where I'm at right now. But I, I'm also always planning ahead. I'm a planner myself. That's in my character. Like that's just in my personality. Uh, I'm a scheduler. I love to look ahead to things and and think about my goals and my dreams. And two dreams of mine, one of them I'm working on now, is to have an album, a, a uh-huh. major studio album. And then um, another dream of mine is to go on tour, which I have not quite gotten started up yet, just because I've been so busy post college. Mm-hmm. But that is one thing that that's plan that um i i do plan to one day um do that you know maybe within the next year or two do do something like that at least a small southern state tour or something so um yeah so those are two big dreams of mine um a long-term dream of mine would be to open my own studio space not a label or anything but just a place where artists of any age can come and learn they can come work they can come record have graphic design done for them marketing whatever they might need i kind of want to offer everything for them um and that's just a a dream i've I've pieced together over the years as i've been a a musician and in that field um but that would be my long term like my 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 uh farther in the future kind of dream but yeah wow that's that is amazing um and I, I applaud you for all of that, especially because I imagine some people I'll talk to, they'd be like, yeah, I want to be the star of the universe and I want all eyes on me. And I mean, there are some people that are like that, but your your dreams and your ambitions are very, um, they're music focused, they're inspirational focused. I love the fact that you'd want to have your own space and have people come. And I mean, I, I don't know if this is true, but in my years past, I've heard that studio time is really expensive and I can just see mm. your space being, well, hey, you know, it's, it's more like a coffee shop experience where it's, mm. a, it's a quality studio, don't get me wrong, but it is also a place to, to learn and say, oh, you need mm. help with this. And then, okay, I think we've got it. Let's let's do it instead of the, like, let's record this song between 2 a.m. and 4 a.m. when the janitor's cleaning up the place and it's the cheapest studio mm. time. Yeah, I think that's yeah. amazing. Um, yeah, I, I would always, I would definitely want a very homely, like, vibe like the doors open like if i'm awake answer my phone like come hang out like we can work on whatever you know i would just want it to be super chill nothing like super you know unnatural feeling you know what i mean so yeah that's exactly the the vibe i would want <laughs> you'll leave the light on so to speak yeah that's so cool <laughs> Well, it has been so great to talk to you. Um, I'd love for you to kind of run down at the end some um, places where people can find you via Facebook or whatever. I will. I always post this on your personal page um, at the livingintheLimelight.com website. So if you happen to forget anything, because you know there's a, probably a lot, um, be it if you've got a link tree, um, that would shoot everyone to everything. But um, just just the prominent things you would want people to um, come find you at and interact with you, and the best way to interact with you. How would you like to have people? contact you and uh and listen to your music and whatnot yeah my in well so i'm on any streaming platform if you just type in cat carter it's, it's uh my instagram profile picture is my um my profile picture on all of my streaming platforms spotify apple music itunes whatever uh-huh. so um that's it if you just type in cat carter you'll see me 
My Instagram is official Kat Carter. My Facebook is Kat Carter Music. Um, I have a SoundCloud as well that I, I've not updated it in a while, <laughs> but um, you can find it. I believe it's Kat Carter Music as well. Um, I have a website too, www.katcartermusic.com. And I think that's all of my links. And my Instagram has my link tree with more stuff. I have a YouTube channel too. Um, that's all my link tree on Instagram. If y'all want to check out my stuff. So yeah. Sounds perfect. And I, I neglected to go back to Sarah to Kat. Um, is there a quick story related to that or is it personal choice? Oh, it's super fast. Yeah. Sarah is my birth name. You know, I, I have people close to me in my life, like my parents and friends, they call me Sarah still, but Kat is my stage name and it comes from my middle name, Catherine. Okay. The reason I had to change it to Kat Carter is because there's so many Sarah Carters, especially in the country music field, which is where I started. Oh. Um, so I was having a hard time marketing myself. So I just had to kind of switch my name. It's not because I don't like my name or anything. It's just <laughs> like just for marketing, honestly. So, yeah. Got you. That sounds good. It's <laughs> kind of like me. I've got two names. I don't have a stage name like you, but um, I have a, like a legal yeah. name and I have a name that people call, call me. And so when I get a phone call and I and see other name, I kind of know this is business instead of somebody I know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. So cool. Well, um, do you have a gig coming up or what's or where's the next place that we're going we're gonna to find you um, to come and appreciate your music? Yeah, I will actually be at, let me make sure really quick. I will be at Painted Horse Winery. I believe it's over here in Milton or Alpharetta um, at 5 to 8 p.m. on the 16th of December. Okay. If anyone wants to come on out, um, it's going to be a lot of fun. I'm so excited. I've never played there, but I'm super excited. So, yeah. Yeah, that sounds great. I know those those wineries can be beautiful locations if you're oh, on yeah. the patio looking over the landscape. So. That's great as long yeah. as the weather cooperates, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> well, it's been so great to talk to you, and I love being connected with you. And um, let's stay in touch, and uh, maybe we'll have you back on the show sometime. Yeah, thank you so much for having me and talking to me. I really appreciate it. You're quite welcome. And, um, of course, the song that everyone is about to hear is Gold. So I hope you guys enjoy that, and it was great talking to you, and we'll talk soon. All right. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.
And my living days are coming to an end